Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You've reached the voices of the Cannabis Wars. News from the front lines where we are determined to get our voices heard and the voices of the prisoners, the families, everybody and anybody who could possibly be affected by prohibition. Um, our major goal is to put put uh, focus on the worst part of the war, um, and that's our plant prisoners and our defendants um, beyond and beyond that. Um, so today, I just wanted to let everybody know that everybody involved in this radio show is 100% volunteer. We do not get paid to do this show. Uh, we do not get any funding, actually. In fact, we're looking for funding. If anybody out there would like to help us pay for our website, which is about $30 a month, or this radio show, which is about $40 a month. Right now, CCHI is, is sponsoring it. Um, but we would like to be able to continue. We need money to continue. So if anybody would like to help us get our voices heard, um, please inbox. Uh, my name is Kristen Floor, and the other host of the show is Mindy Griffiths. Um, please inbox us on Facebook or send us an email or something. Um, this week's award-winning show is going to be really, really good today. It's, it's The theme is Prohibition and how it affects our families. And we've got um, a couple different aspects to this. First, we're going to have Megan Holt on. Megan is like the best mom in the world. And I'll tell you, if, if I was having troubles, I would want her to be my mom because she really goes way out for her children. And um, we're going to learn about her and why she's such a superhero mom um, because we're going to hear about her and her family and their medical needs. She has a daughter who is using cannabis, a life-threatening illness, and it's helping. So we're going to find out um, how it's, it's doing good for her and then how, how prohibition is affecting her family at the same time. And next we're going to talk to, after her, we're going to talk to Craig Cecil. Craig Cecil is serving his 15th year in prison for cannabis, and he's serving a life sentence. That means he is never going to get out unless we can help him out. Um, we've done the best that we can. Other groups have done the best that they can. Um, there's there's the Can Do Marijuana Lifers Project, POW420. Um, there's also Freedom Grow. There's all kinds of groups out there that are fighting for Craig. Um, but he calls into our radio show every single Sunday morning and tells us what's going on behind bars. What's extra special about that is that he risks going on lockdown to get his voice heard. So please tune in at 9.30. He's going to be calling in from prison and find out what's, what's going on and hear it from a lifer himself, Mr. Craig Cecil. Also, after that, <clears throat> at 9.45, we're going to talk to a girl by the name of Amber Taylor. And we've heard from her a couple times in the past. And the reason why we're hearing from Amber is because guess what, you guys? Her dad is serving a life sentence for one joint. So we're going to find out about how prohibition has affected her family uh, specifically, she she has a lot to say about the subject, and her dad, they're neglecting her and, and tormenting him um, in prison. So we're going to find out his situation and how we can help. And how we can help. Um, at nine at ten o'clock, we're going to talk to George Monterano. George Monterano is a man who spent 33 years in prison. He was just recently released. He was adopted by the Seattle Hemp Fest. Um, they helped get a lot of letters, not just them, but the Human Solution did and all kinds of groups that were involved in prison outreach at the time helped George get free. Now George is free, and he calls into our show. He's, he's actually best friends with ex-host of this show, Eugene Fisher, rest in peace. 
Um, and they, they um, pretty much spent a lot of years in prison together. So we'll hear from him. About 10.15, we're going to hear from Stacy Tice and Jake Shepard. Now, um, if you guys listen to the show and you listen to the ending of the show, every single week we pay tribute to our fallen heroes. There's, and their uncle, Uncle Gary, is one of our fallen heroes. Uh, he was shot down by the feds over 20 times a couple decades ago. Rest in peace, Uncle Gary. And we're going to talk to his, um, his niece, Stacy, who drives around a big green cannabis across the nation. She just doesn't drive it. She drives it to help get attention and to help end prohibition. It has nothing to do with making money or anything like that. Her whole main goal in life is to end prohibition. We're going to talk to Jake, which is Gary Shepard's uh, son. We're going to find out how they're doing this morning. They're going to call in from Kentucky. And then at 1030, we're going to talk to Jeff Eichen. Jeff is working on a documentary called The Lifers, The Lifers Documentary, and it's going to be debuting um, this Saturday at a film at, at, at a film um, at, a, at a at a showing in Seattle um, right after the Hemp Fest on Saturday. Jeff's also got a booth. It's called the Lifers Booth. That's where the voices of the Cannabis War. Um, all of our team members are welcome to come and help out. Um, that's where I will be at all all throughout the Hemp Fest. So check into to Jeff. He'll be here to talk about it. Also, after, right after Jeff, we're going to talk to Tom Corby, who is a chapter coordinator for the Human Solution International, and he's going to be giving us the news right from Northern California. But first, I want to introduce the other host of the show. She was the producer of the show, and then uh, the host used to be Eugene Fisher, but he spent 25 years in prison for cannabis and was released from his life sentence, but he just recently passed away. So now every time we do the show, Mindy and I... Uh, contribute the, our, this whole show to Eugene. Rest in peace. Uh, but now Mindy's take, taking Eugene's place, and she is the other host of the show. Good morning, Mindy. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing good. good. How are you? I'm good. What have, uh, have you got any anything exciting going on this week? Oh, What's no. Prison out just, not at this moment. I'm still trying to, you know, for the listeners to know, I've kind of made a big life move, and I don't have very much internet access out here, so I'm learning how to do prison outreach um, with low tech, and uh, so oh, I'm still kind of awesome. in the process. Mindy, that's rough because, like, you communicate with prisoners, you do the radio show, you write for two different magazines. I mean, everything you do has to do with the internet, so I bet you've been kind of lost. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit disconnected, but I'll get it figured out. Okay, cool, cool. I can't wait. Um, well, it looks like we've got our first guest on the line. Um, her name is Megan Holt, and we're just going to bring her bring her on. Let's see here. I'm going to press the. There we go. Good morning, Megan. You're live with Kristen Flora and make and Mindy Mindy Griffiths. How are you? Good. I'm great. Good morning, <laughs> Megan. So Megan, you are. Uh, tell us about your. I was just introducing you to the guest a few minutes ago, and I was telling everybody what a great you mom you are, and how you stand up for your children to the fullest possible way that you can. And um, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about your daughter and how you've been fighting for her 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 health. Yeah. So kind of just to kind of so people who don't know Maddie, I know most people do. I'm probably the loudest washington mom right now um 
But my daughter has an extremely rare disease. There's less than 100 children in the whole world. So research for her condition in general is not around. Um, so in 2015, when she started having seizures, a lot of the medications for anti-epileptics were completely off the table because of her other symptoms from her disease. And so we ran through about 23 different opiates, tranquilizers, anti-epileptic drugs, and not only were they not working, but April 10th of 2015, we were told to take her home for the last time because she was going to die any day. So being a mom who already has had two stillborn babies and a son with the same disease who lived for one day, I could not accept the fact that someone was telling me that there was no hope for my child. So I did what any 20th century parent does now, and I went on the Internet, and I Googled intractable epilepsy. And within five minutes, all of these cannabis stories start popping up, and I'm hearing about full extract cannabis oil. And, you know, it only took me about 12 days to get enough information to say, okay, we're going to try this. And that April 10th, we took her home for the last time. And I thought I would never take my child home ever again. And we were admitted into the hospital, me, my husband, my then six-month-old daughter, thinking that my baby's going to pass away, calling in my family from California, everybody's coming up, making end-of-life plans, making song selections for her service, choosing a service date. Um, And yeah, so, you know, um, when I went back to the hospital, she went eight days without a seizure. And none of the doctors could tell me why that had happened. And so, you know, as time started going by, I realized that the cannabis was helping her and we started getting off meds. And, you know, I realized there was this whole hidden group of people. And, you know, like I said, early 2015 is when we got involved in cannabis. And that was right when 5052 was happening. And so I was totally thrown under the bus thinking, oh, well, we have some protection. Oh, wait, no, you don't, because now there's new laws that are going to really restrict you. And then after July 1st, Um, really, I feel like they have put such harsh limitations and almost completely gotten rid of access for the critical youth, like my daughter, who depend, their life depends on this medication. And so, you know, for me, speaking out, it's not something I want to do. It's something I have to do because no one else will do it. And all of these patients without a voice are being forgotten and it's not okay and I'm not okay with it and I hate that you know people are being criminalized like Lance Glore that's the first case I've followed start to finish and I know there's a lot of things that happened in between but the bottom line is this guy in a state where it's legal was sentenced to 10 years in a federal facility for cannabis that's ridiculous and being in that court yeah. I got so emotional you know, I think that could have been me. Yeah. Would they prosecute my three-year-old? Um, so, let's yeah. talk about that. let's talk about that for a minute, Megan. I was in that yeah. courtroom too, as well. And um, you know, Lance did. He sacrificed his whole future to go to trial. In fact, I want to. I just briefly, really want to say, um, the people that that snitched on him actually got no jail time at all. They were just sentenced this week. So, you know, I'm I'm hurt that he is actually in prison in a legal state as well. But let's talk about that. Like I, I, we were walking at the um, the 420 the 420 walk. I forget what it was called. 420. Yep. Yeah. The 420, 420 game. 
Yeah. And we talked a little bit about prohibition um, while we were walking. And we talked about CPS. And we talked about the fear that you have um, regarding this medicine. And we talked about how you take is okay with it, but that you are worried that the authorities might quite not be. Right. And you haven't had to face that, which is, which is beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm really lucky. And I think, you know, the thing that I tell parents when they say I'm afraid to speak out is we need to rise above this whole fear mongering that they're instilling into us because that's part of the problem is they're, you know, it's still federally illegal. And regardless of what any of the states do, the bottom line is until it's descheduled, we are all doing something federally illegal. So for me, I tell myself every day I wake up and I say, I'm going to do what's best for my children today. And what's best for my child is giving her cannabis oil. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's really hard in this, you know, like you said, when I go into the hospital, that for me really puts it back into perspective of how much education is missing because I have these doctors, doctors that are supposed to be, you know, researchers and cutting edge of their field, been providers for 30 years, don't know what an endocannabinoid system is. And I'm wow. like, what? Yes, this is what, this is what I have to educate about. Two hour meetings every time we're in the hospital. This is what the endocannabinoid system is. No, Maddie is not getting high. So we have to have an educational course on what's going on. And, you know, I tell people, they're like, how did you make so much headway? And I say, one, because I'm on an advisory council at another hospital. So I know how hospitals work. And two, because I don't tell my providers what's best for my child. I inform them of her unique needs and I work with them as a team member and from a place of caring, not a place of frustration or anger, because if you come at them with anger, they're not going to listen to you. And so now, you know, me too, I always say it's a safety risk. You don't have it on our medication list. That's a safety risk. You're putting yourself liable. And that's how we got policy change. So children's just so people know, um, I know I talked to you about it, Kristen, but it's a kind of a big deal what we had happen. Um, the chief medical officer at Seattle Children's Hospital can sign off on inpatient families using cannabis oil for their children. Um, it's, I know it's a case-by-case basis. I know we are the only family who uses the form, um, but I'm hopeful we'll admit that they're using it because that's really important, and that's what people need to realize is kids like my daughter who are so medically fragile – her doctors need to know she's using cannabis because of other drug to drug interactions. It could be life threatening if she's given something and they didn't know she was on cannabis. So, you know, prohibition is so much bigger than this descheduling aspect. You know, we have people who need to come out of prison and all that. So Megan, I just want to bring up a couple of things. We have a doctor, Dr. Allen, Dr. Allen, he was Mm -hmm. actually a heart surgeon. And he got in trouble for recommending it down in California. And he went to prison. He went to trial. He actually, he actually won his trial, got out of prison. Um, and now they're trying to take his medical license away because, you know, he's a doctor and he's, and he's recommending it. And they're trying to shut his voice down down in California. Um, and now here you have doctors at this hospital up here in Washington who are interested mm-hmm. and want to know more about it. It's helping your child. It's just recently within the week the federal government has came out and said that they will not be descheduling or rescheduling this plant anytime soon because they say still, still, 
to this day, this week they launched a memo out saying that it has no medical value and that um, further studies need to be done before they come to this conclusion. However, like doctors are already accepting it. So I'm, I'm wondering how does that, that angle of prohibition affecting you? I know you mentioned the federal, the federal drug laws and those federal drug laws are the same laws that are holding over 50 of our prisoners to life sentences. They're mm-hmm. killing people. They're, they're still causing raids. I mean, how does, how does this war, I mean, when you're just a mom and you're trying to get your daughter help, what does this war actually feel like? It just feels so big. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, it does feel big and it feels overwhelming. And, you know, to say that I don't have a place in my heart that has fear of, you know, going through what so many other prisoners have gone through. Yes, I do. I'm so affected. And it's not just me, though. You know, Madeline has a two-year-old little sister who's affected. My husband is affected. My husband's father, who lives in Idaho, not legal in any way there we can't even go visit him because madeline uses cannabis so you know even not being in prison i'm held captive of my own life i can't you know and these providers like you were saying doctors are accepting it and i think that that's going to be the first step and i'm actually very excited that they're opening up research because entering people like my daughter into a natural history study Um, and beginning to document her cannabis use and her improvements, which for a disease that destroys the brain and she's supposed to do nothing but progress and get worse. And she's done nothing but get better since we started cannabis. Um, I hope that that will begin to change things. Cause like you said, you know, we are in a terrible place right now. And I think that's why when we started using cannabis, you know, Maddie's only been using cannabis for a little over a year And I will not shut my mouth until something is done. My child is a U.S. citizen. She deserves safe access to her health care like every other person. And until that happens, I'm not going to stop. And I know, you know, I think this whole we're not going to deschedule. It's going to be a long time. We see no medical value. That's fine if you don't see it. But I'm going to keep throwing it in, in your face until you're either so annoyed with me that you give me what I want or that you actually see that this is a real issue that's affecting every single person in America. I don't care who you are. Everybody knows somebody that's using cannabis for medical purposes, even if it's an acquaintance or, oh, you know, I met this person and they use cannabis. Everyone knows someone. So really, everyone's being affected by prohibition. And also, you know, I look at prescription drug costs just to begin with. One of Maddie's rescue medications is $267. If I were to use cannabis, it would be about $50, and the government doesn't want to pay for that. And that's really sad because they are, once again, who's paying for the money to pay for that rescue medicine? Washington taxpayers. So, you know, it would cut costs, and, you know, that's partly why, too, Project PC is so important to me because I feel for so long. Let's Let's talk about Project PC a little bit. Um, yeah, that's an so, organization that you've been volunteering for. In fact, I just asked uh, Michael Scott just this morning if he'd be willing to come on our show next week and talk more about Project PC. But let's let's get it from your angle and what how has that um, been helping you and the rest of the community deal with prohibition? Yeah, so Project PC is something Michael was actually working on for like the last three or four years, and um, it 
is a group of people. We are creating media and educational materials. We're a licensed nonprofit, so we don't make money. In fact, the little bit of money we do make all goes to Project PC. And it's our hope that by creating these materials for people, we can, one, you know, the first one I'm really excited about. You guys will have to come to our booth at HempFest. We're in Caviland at booth 919. Um, we're releasing our first booklet to help patients, to empower them to take control of their healthcare again, because that's something that's missing too. We need more people to stand up and take control of their healthcare and flood the system. So Project PC is about being the change we wish to see, remaining positive in the face of disaster and chaos. You know, people are so sad about the the announcement the feds made. And, you know, I was upset about it for a couple minutes, but I took a deep breath. I looked at Maddie and I said, you know what? This is your human right, and we're going to keep fighting. We've got to stay positive because, you know, when I got in cannabis too, something that I saw was people, and I understand their frustrations, uh, people are screaming and yelling in the courtroom and, you know, bashing legislatures. And I kind of took a step back and said, you know, I bet if you went and actually sat and talked with those people, half of them just aren't educated. And, you know, we're not getting anywhere by screaming and yelling and, things that like this radio show that you're doing bringing awareness to these people listening to these prisoners that are there serving the time we matter our voices are here listen to us that's <laughs> you're sorry I mean, good. you're giving me goosebumps with all your with all your positive positive talk <laughs> wow <laughs> like, I'm telling you, like okay, I think I mean imagine if every single cannabis which I don't call us activists we're artists of change yes thank you <laughs> I love that Um, If we all chose positive, if we all were positive and said, you know what, thank you for the setback. Now I have a reason to fight harder. If we all did that, they couldn't shut us up. I mean, if a, you know, and I always see, I look back to when prohibition first started and when people were doing protests and putting daisies and guns. And I'm thinking we need to get back to that place, that place of caring and happy and peace that we were at before, because now we're all just too angry. We need to step back, come together, stop this fighting because, you know, this whole 502, non 502, I'm sorry, it's a cannabis plant. <laughs> I'm not for 502 or medical. I'm for cannabis as a plant for everyone. And we need this, this division is part of the problem. We're this huge group of people, but we're not coming together. So, Megan, let's, um, you, how can people hear you? I know you're, you're going to be speaking at the Hemp Fest. If people wanted to, do you know your, your speaking schedule yet? Yes. So uh, I believe, so at main stage, I'll actually be hanging out in front of main stage for a little bit. I'm um, helping Hemp Fest uh, doing their press conference. And so I'll be hanging out in front of there first thing in the morning on Friday. And then I will be actually on stage at 2.45 main stage on Friday. Saturday, I am on the Kevin Black stage at 4.45. And then Sunday, Probably my favorite thing I did last year was a family about what about the children. It's a panel at Hemposium on Sunday for an hour. You can come, ask questions. Um, but then the rest of the time, I'm going to try to be at our booth. Um, and we have a, um, we actually have a, a booth event page, and I will be posting updates on, um, I'm actually going to be giving advocacy talks for people who want to learn, how do you start? You know, what did I do when I first started taking back the control of my daughter's health care? Um, 
so yeah, I, you know, and I always encourage people come by our booth. I'm doing something really exciting for patients. Um, warning, you're probably going to get emotional because I have been. <laughs> um, <laughs> try to be at our booth as much as possible or, you know, hanging around like your booth, the lifers booth, bringing awareness that I could be one no, of these people. Do you people. know how far the lifers booth is from your guys' booth? It'd be cool if I they know. were close. It would be okay. really cool if <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've got Tony. We've got, uh, or not Tony. I've, I'm looking at Tony's name on our on our on our uh, board here. We've got Tony and we've got Dr. Allen on the line. And to- Tony's a nurse, and Dr. Allen, like I said, was a heart surgeon. So I'm sure they're just loving this in- this interview. Um, <laughs> but I just want to warn you. Okay, it's, it is. It is. I'm sure they're. Li- I, I know they are. They love you. But um, this, I just want to let you know, it's, it's 924, and any time between 925 yeah. and 930, we'll be getting a phone call from Craig Cecil, and he's serving a life sentence. So we, um, he, when we get that prison call, our interview will just abruptly be at an end. It won't be like, oh, goodbye, blah, blah, blah. It'll just be like nope. Craig is on. So you're welcome to stay tuned and listen or, or whatever. Yeah. But I just want to give you a warning that he's, he's going to be coming on. But in the meantime, will you let us know um, how can we go to – the Project PC's um, website, and how can we get in touch if somebody wanted to volunteer for Project yes. PC? Or what can yes. people do? So, so, yeah, so Project PC, like I said, 100% volunteer run. We need people. We literally have three board members. That's the base of Project PC. We have volunteers helping us, but we need more. So www.project, P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-C dot O-R-G. Um, you can also email me directly. My name's spelt kind of funny. M-E-A-G-A-N dot Holt, H-O-L-T at projectpc.org. Um, you can feel free to email me, ask me questions. Um, Project PC also has a Facebook page. We have a Project PC patients page. Um, and we're always looking for people to help us. And what I've been telling people is, you know, we do need a lot of the nitty gritty like web design and grant writing people and things like that. But I'm just a mom, a crafty mom <laughs> who has a voice and I'm helping. So, you know, I'm, I've been telling people who are reaching out, they say, well, I don't think I have anything to give. And I'm finding out, well, what did you used to do in your professional life? Oh, well, I used to be a graphic designer. Oh, my gosh. Oh, there you go. So, you know. <laughs> Please reach out to us. If you want to make positive change, we have a place for you. No one is discluded from Project PC. I mean, Maddie is a part of Project PC. So if cool. you have a story to tell, you have, you know, a skill, we want I feel you. like I'm part of it. I feel like I'm part of it, too. It's just not official. <laughs> you are. You are a part of it. That's right. Well, and, and that's the thing, too, is Project PC, as we grow, we hope to have a community, a Project PC community, a community of positive change. So people who are coming into this, like I did, they don't have to weed through all these organizations. They can have a list, a cohesive list that says, yes, these are the people that are doing things for the right reasons. And absolutely, you are 100% Project PC. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Holy moly. <laughs> the things you I'm do for prisoners. Help. I mean, ugh. Yeah. How, how is Maddie doing this morning, by the way? How, Maddie how is her health doing? She's doing great. And, you know, it's been hard for me to post updates because the hemp fest stuff going on, I've been pretty busy and I posted a couple things the last couple of days and I've had people telling me, Oh my God, what have you been doing? She looks amazing. Um, 
and kind of a post, you know, this is kind of a teaser. No one knows this, but um, a couple months ago, I was fighting to get Madeline a plant-based diet, uh, a blended diet that is the only one Medicare will approve. And after about eight hours on the phone, I got it approved, and that's what she's been doing. So instead of taking Pediasure, which its third ingredient is sugar, she now takes a whole food plant diet that the first two ingredients are garbanzo beans and water. So it's wow, yeah, wow, yeah. You know, I did I did an interview with Dr. David Allen. That's the heart surgeon Mm -hmm. I was telling you about a couple years ago, and he suggested that people take the cannabis plant. And don't even smoke it, but put it in your blender and make 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 yep. smoothies out of it, and that will keep you from getting diabetes. So like, wow, can you? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's and that's huh. very important to your endocannabinoid system that you actually eat the plant the way it is every yes. single day. Yeah, yeah. Juicing is something we recently have started um, looking into for Maddie. Um, you know, with her, it's so hard for me to even get people to talk to me, even in cannabis. People have been very surprised that, um, you know, I, I am ready to have a researcher. You know, it's sad that I'm guinea pigging my child, but, you know, I'm in a private support group who, for parents of kids like my daughter. And the reason it's private is because it is so morbid, we would have gotten reported and taken down years ago because kids join and within a couple months, they're dead. And I've had two right. Zellweger babies. Yeah, the, the worst one, the one that gets me the most was a, a Zellweger baby in Arizona. I fought to get him medical. We found a doctor to give him the authorization. Christmas Eve, four hours before his appointment, he passed away. Oh, my God. That's prohibition. And that's Rest what's wrong. And, and that's that, why I keep that speaking. Baby. Rest in peace to him. Yeah. Right? And it's Rest so sad. You know, it's it tore me up. My Christmas was like destroyed because my heart was breaking thinking that child has the same disease as Madeline. He was 10 months old. That could have been my child. And that is what is so wrong with this. Prohibition is not just affecting the patients. It's affecting people who could be patients. You know, another baby I tried to help in the UK. There was this baby in the UK. This was really hard. Two months. Finally got their medical. It's like a medical minister who has to sign off on it. And uh, we got him to approve it, and the baby got pneumonia two days before his appointment, passed away. Wow. so sad. Uh, yeah, it's very Megan, sad. I want to ask the other host of the show, Mindy, um, if there's anything she wants to say. Mindy, are you, are you there? I'm here. I, I've just been listening to, the, to everything, and it, um, it reminds me in Oregon, uh, Brave Michaela is oh, a similar story to... Yes, Michaela um, and Aaron and Brandon. Oh, you guys, Craig is, Craig is calling. Keep talking for a second oh. while I answer Craig's call. Okay. Um, anyway, so your your story um, rings um, true to me in so many different ways. So many different um, families have lost their children because of prohibition, and then many others, their children, like Michaela and your child, you know, are thriving. Um, because of cannabis and so I'm really Mm -hmm. glad that you're out there Megan keeping that voice alive for all those people adults and children who should be able to to survive on good morning morning, Craig we're just sitting here with um Megan Holt and she was telling us about how cannabis is saving her child and we're talking about prohibition and how it's affecting our families um that's the topic of the show and we know it's affected your family to the extreme 
Um, but we're also wondering, how are you this week? And good morning, and we love you. <laughs> well, good morning. <laughs> I guess the, news, the good news of this week for cannabis is uh, the DEA, I guess, has made it easier for people to do research with marijuana. Yes. So, so I'm, I'm happy about that. So the, the stories, like about that child that's getting relief and other people that get relief, maybe we can finally get some you know, studies done that, you know, are irrefutable by the people in Washington, D.C. They they love to refute, you know, the actual evidence that's before them now, but hopefully we can get past that. <laughs> what do you think about Craig, the fact I, that they did not? I was just going to say, I love your attitude, Craig, because the first thing I hear from every other person calling in is, is the DEA the, um, didn't reschedule, and everybody's very upset about this, and you come on sitting there in prison with a life sentence and say, guess what? The DEA has opened the doors for this. Your attitude about things is overwhelming sometimes. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I to try to find the good side. And the other side is, to be honest, for people like me on uh, federal drug charges, whether it's Schedule 1 or Schedule 2 doesn't make any difference. Yeah. The, uh, the federal drug laws uh, criminalize, you know, uh, possession and distribution of any Schedule uh, drug. Now, Schedule 2 would turn marijuana from being like heroin to being like methamphetamine, which I don't think is really a step up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't miss that they didn't do that, but I am happy about the allowing more research because that research can only lead to, um, you know, just irrefutable proof right before our Congress, right in the press and right against the naysayers that, you know, it's not an evil drug. It it does actually, you know, uh, help people with certain needs, especially the uh, seizure disabilities and and things of that nature. And that has to change, you know, uh, the discussion. So, Craig, you're, um, my thing is, is when I heard about that they didn't change the law, you know, I, I was hurt. I was, I was angry and I was mad because that law killed my father. That law has all of our prisoners locked away. In fact, that law has caused so much destruction in our nation for the last few decades that they still try to say it has no, I mean, yeah, they're going to open the door, but they're still saying it has no medical value. And I think we've all proven it. The fact that they have that pant on it, it does irk me. But I will tell you, I with the last guest, Megan, she's using it for her daughter, and it's helping. And you guys, you two, I swear you've lifted my spirits about the subject a little bit. Because um, I was pretty hurt about it, but I feel a little bit better talking to you and Megan. <laughs> well, and yes, and, and if you look at the – when they criminalized marijuana in 1937 – it wasn't because it was harming people. It wasn't, you know, to, to really to cure any ill of society. It was really aimed at uh, the people of Mexican descent down in southern Texas. It, it was a drug that was really catching on down there, and for some reason uh, people were determined that, you know, they didn't want this to infect society, but they really never came up with a reason why other than Mexicans were using it in southern Texas which is, I think, real evident in the fact that in all the U.S. laws, they named it marijuana by its Spanish name rather than cannabis, its English name. Wow. And that is, 
that has remained for all those years. It was really a drug that targeted those, or really a, a, a law that targeted those people of southern Texas. Well, Craig, let's talk a little bit about uh, prohibition and how it's affected your family. I mean, I know, I know we've, we've had the conversation a few times, but is there anything you want to say about um, prohibition and, and family? Well, I mean, the, the prohibition is, is, in my opinion, silly on its face because right. it's a drug that, that has no victims. I mean, we can look to the inner cities and, and see the victims of, especially of heroin, because the, the graveyard is full of people that have abused heroin and have died as a result. And I've That's never true. heard of, I've never heard of somebody ODing on marijuana and dying. This call is from a federal prison. Good point. Good the, point. The next thing is, is, uh, you know, where are the victims of uh, marijuana? You know, are there people that spend their last pennies on marijuana and they're strung out, you know, as a person would be strung out on the meth, victims, meth, meth, or coke? The victims or are coke? in prison. Yes. <laughs> and really, the victims are the people that, you know, uh, take the different kind of cannabinoid products to avoid seizures, to, re- you know, to relieve their their pains and symptoms of glaucoma and so many other diseases that it has been shown to to benefit the people that suffer from that. So really, it's hard to say, you know, why is that against the law? You know, that would be like criminalizing aspirin because, you know, it might help the wrong people. Um, wow So what have you been up to this week? Well this week has been hot Um, Maybe (laughs) And hot here Is in the mid 90s But the humidity has remained over 85% So that can be Kind of stifling in a prison that um, Really doesn't It doesn't have any ventilation There's no Um Duck work here. There's no blowers. There's you know, there's a few fans around in the housing unit, but most of the windows have been bricked over. So there's not much circulation. Really, no ventilation. So 90 degree heat and 85 percent or 90 percent humidity makes for a stifling week, and that's what we had this week. I have a question. What about deodorant? Is there is there a lot of deodorant, or are you smelling some stinky stinky men in there? No, there's. Well, a little bit of both, you know. I mean, of course, there's showers, not enough of them, but, <laughs> but there, is a lot of stinky, there is a lot of stinky people, especially at work, where we don't have the option of taking a shower when we want. <laughs> wow, yeah, it was it was hot out here too. I think it got up to 90 yesterday. Oh, let's see. Otherwise, the the mood tends to be subdued, you know. Um, as you know, uh, the beginning of last week, the uh, pardon attorney, uh, well, a week, two Wednesdays ago, the president commuted the sentence of 214 federal prisoners, 154 of which were crack cocaine uh, convicts. This week on uh, Tuesday, uh, the administrations in the prisons handed out the denials uh, from the pardon attorney's office in the White House the denials of the petitions for uh, clemency, and there was hundreds of them. And as you know, one of them was for Tony Biscaro. 
I just can't understand that. I, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Okay, so for our listeners, I just got to say, Antonio Basquero has been in prison for 36 years, longer than any other federal prisoner for any other crime even. And he is, I believe, 76 years old. He is a Cuban war hero. His his country looks up to him. He he's man. His daughter's been on our show many times. He's been the topic of our show a few times. I cannot believe they would deny him. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. Oh my god. If there's a compassion inside the clemency, I I have no clue how he was left behind. And uh, and you know what? We've we've gotten hundreds and hundreds. Not just not just our group up here, but. Across the nation, other groups have have gathered hundreds of letters on on behalf of him to try to convince them to to grant him clemency too. Yeah, but unfortunately, the press of the pardon attorney's office and I, I guess the entire Obama administration seems to be tilt, tilted towards uh, those convicted of crack crack cocaine related offenses. Like I say, of the 214 of last week. 154 of them were for crack cocaine offenses, so roughly three fourths of them. But well, you uh, weren't denied. <laughs> you were denied. That's that's positive too. Right. So unfortunately, nobody can understand how Tony could be left behind. <laughs> man, I got I got I got tears in my eyes. That that just that hurts, man. That's mean. He didn't do nothing wrong, and you know what? I'm going to say, um, Eugene Fisher said that, uh, he told me that, that he was known for um, bringing the cannabis in in the 80s, the early 90s. Yeah, in the 80s through, uh, he was a good friend of Eugene, rest in peace, Eugene. But he would bring bring the cannabis in on planes, and he was very known for being able to fly the plane low to, very low to the to the ocean so that he couldn't be detected by, by the feds, basically. So... Um, man, he he's, he is one of our heroes. We look up to him. That is devastating for our whole movement to hear that. And wow. his crime is def- his crime is definitely no worse uh, than you know a crack cocaine offender's crime. I mean, no, he can't, point- <laughs> can't point to any part of any city of any state and say that they, well they've been impacted by the effects of marijuana. But you can certainly do that regarding crack cocaine. <laughs> Mindy, what do you think about that? I'm uh, I was floored when I when I heard about Antonio and uh, and um I have one other friend, Robert Furlong, who also got his denial. Um uh, Robert only has three years left. He isn't facing a life sentence, but still. Um and then of course Craig not being on the list, but I was grateful to hear that he didn't get the denial letters, so um, but I don't understand what the focus is on the crack cocaine and leaving cannabis out of the equation for these um, clemencies. I don't get it at all. Um, I, I think the basis of that is, or at least the, the published and the stated speeches from both the Attorney General and especially from the Deputy Attorney General, is that they've seen that uh, crack cocaine uh, since uh, it mainly was used amongst black people, and a majority of the people that are in prison on crack cocaine uh, offenses, that they had viewed it as being um, disproportionately biased against black people. 
So since they thought this call is from a federal prison. Since they thought that the crack cocaine laws were, uh, you know, racially biased, they have eased up the laws uh, slightly in 2010. And the Obama administration, you know, in granting more clemencies than really any other president or any other president in well over 100 years, uh, has very much favored uh, granting relief to uh, crack cocaine offenders based on the perceived racial bias. But as you, as I pointed out earlier, the marijuana laws, in their own writing, admit that they were. Uh, brought into law based on a racial bias against the Mexican Americans in, in Southern Texas. So, really, to me, <laughs> it's hard to fathom that you know that one race is maybe favored over another, or something like that. And not only in the making of our laws, but in in today's day, you know, day and age, in the granting of uh, commutations. And that's why I look to Tony why. Tony Biscaro was, you know, left out of the list, although he's been in prison since 1983. But yet, you know, some some crack cocaine offenders that, you know, had been locked up since 2006 were were set free. So it's it's kind of a tough pill to swallow this week. And uh, I've known uh, there's about 25 here that. Uh, got that notice, and a couple of them I've known for many years, and I, I was kind of surprised to see them denied. But unfortunately, commutations tend to be just arbitrary. I mean, you, you can't figure out why one is granted and yet the next one is not. And this it's week, a conspiracy against. I, I think it's a conspiracy against the plant. It's something that they carry on. Something to keep keep prohibition going. It's maybe like the DEA's finding this week, without any logic to say that, you know, that marijuana is, I mean, they, they as far as to say marijuana is an evil drug or a gateway drug or any of the things you hear, but they said, no, we can't, you know, even just openly allow it to search. They still put severe limits. Wow. Uh, enjoy another week, and uh, you heard the second beep, so thank you for shining a light on us. Thank you for... Um, Looking out for us. Thank you for those letters, like for Tony. For we love you. Else. And we're going to be representing you at Hempfest this year, which is next weekend. So next weekend you're going to be up in Washington. Ouch! That was t- that was that was tough. That was tough. Uh, so that was Craig Cecil um, working on his 15th year of his life sentence for cannabis. And guess what, you guys? He wasn't even caught with any cannabis on him. He just repaired a truck that was delivering. That was they was going to be delivering cannabis. So um, he's one of our heroes. He's one of the voices that we keep in our heart and in our mind and our soul as we sit out and we go out there and we go to these events and we're holding these signs and we're just doing the best we can to get our voice heard. And it's because of going Antonio Bascaro and Eugene Fisher, who was the old host of the show, and my father and Gary Shepherd, who we have Stacy on the line here. We're going to get to her soon. Uh, but first, we've got Amber, who's on her break at work, and she's got to get on. Amber is, oh, my gosh, she's, she's like me. She just wants her dad free and out of, out of prison and home and not to be tortured anymore. And she's a big voice for her father, who is serving a life sentence for one, one joint. Yes. And they're torturing him in prison. He's not getting proper medical care. Um, he's being neglected. It's a de facto. 
It's a possible de facto life sentence, Kristen. He, he, I think it's a 20-year sentence, but because of his because of his health, the the expectation is is that he's not going to make it through his sentence. Is yep. my well, understanding? Life, thinking, right. Well, the factual life sentence means that your sentence is longer than your lifespan, basically. That's how Correct. my father died. Is the factual life life sentence, but also. Um, so, Mindy, we also want to mention that he has a brain tumor, and Amber thinks it's growing, and they're already not giving him his heart medicine while well, they started giving it to him, but, oh, my gosh. Let's, let's meet Amber. For those of you who have not heard Amber, this is Amber Taylor. Um, their father is Thomas Landris. Amber, good morning. How are you doing today? Blessings to all. Good morning. How are you, ladies? Good morning, good. Amber. Blessings to you, too. So, We're good. Um, yeah, my... my Thomas is serving a 20-year sentence for um, one joint, less than two grams of marijuana, and he does have a brain tumor that's currently growing, but um, their neurology appointments are like a year out, so it'll probably be huge by the time he gets to a neurologist again. Not acceptable. Absolutely unacceptable, but they did start giving him his medication, and hopefully he will... He'll be getting some pain meds. It's some really low pain meds, but I fought for like two years to get this med, and then they transferred him a couple times, and now I'm fighting to get it back now. So hopefully we'll get that going. But before, um, I know y'all wanted to talk about how prohibition affects families, but I kind of wanted to touch base on on the end of Craig's conversation. The reason why um, so many Um, sentence commutations are being issued to crack cocaine offenders is because the war on drugs focused on minorities and they were given 16, 17 year old kids, 15, 20, 30 year sentences for a first time crack cocaine offense for like less than five grams of it. So there's like people that's been doing 20 and 30 years from the time it was 15 years old. So that's one of the things that they're focusing on. I don't think it, I don't think they're meaning to not pay attention to pot, which nobody should sit in jail for a plant over a man-made drug. But there are, the war on drugs really hit poor minority communities with crack cocaine, and that's something that President Obama did focus on. I know a lot of people are pissed at him because he didn't end the war on drugs towards marijuana, but he tried, man, and everybody shot him down left to right. <laughs> you know, that was like, nope, it's not going. <laughs> so and I don't think anybody should be in jail for any nonviolent crime, period. <laughs> Whether it's, if, if you didn't hurt anybody, I don't think you should go to jail for any drug. But I think we should help people instead of send them off to prison. Um, but it, it, it's all these people, there's only been a few of them, like less than 10 plant prisoners have gotten out. And it just proves the conspiracy against cannabis just still exists. Oh, yeah, and most definitely, because there's too much money being made off of it. I mean, Oklahoma taxpayers are paying $29,000 per year for each pot prisoner. Uh, Sheriff Stradley in Lawton, Oklahoma, was just glorifying arresting some Washington man and wife for four pounds of marijuana. Like, he just caught the biggest criminals in the whole world instead of letting and murderers go, you know what I'm saying? There, there's there's more unsolved murderers in Lawton, Oklahoma, than they have cannabis arrests. So it seems like they should be focusing on other things than arresting people for pot. So there's definitely 
a war on drugs. They make too much money off of it. They're just not going to let it go easily. Right. I just saw an article the an article last week or something about a couple in Rhode Island that are facing life for uh, it was quite a bit of pot that they got busted with, but still, they're they're facing a life sentence each of them. That's crazy. Okay, so to talk about how prohibition affects families, I did a little bit of research, and there are 2.7 million children with a parent in prison or jail. 95% of all inmates will eventually be released. 92% of parents in prisons are fathers. Most two out of three inmates will reoffend and go back to prison due to our failed rehabilitation system. Here's the problem related to father absence in prison in two stats. There are 2.7 million children without a parent in prison or jail. 92% of parents in prison are fathers. Having a parent who is incarcerated is now recognized as an adverse childhood experience, which is different from other ACEs because of trauma, stigma, and shame it inflicts on the children. I mean, I don't even know how to explain how many times I've had to explain why my dad's in jail as a kid. You know, like people think if you're in jail, you must have did something real bad when... He really never did anything bad. Incarceration often spans for generations. Like, I'm blessed to not be a convict because statistically I should have been. Fathers in prison are overwhelmingly fatherless themselves. Youth youth in father-absent households have significantly higher odds of incarceration. More than 6,500,000 ex-offenders are released from prison every year. Fathers are returning to their families without the skills they need to be involved, responsible, and committed to fathers. Like they get out, and then there's all these rules for parole. My husband had to call into work three times last week to comply with parole. So, I mean, they want you to have a job, but then you lose your job to comply with parole. So it's like a a never-ending system to keep you in the system. It affects families for generations. Generations. It's affected four generations in my family. Yeah, like they don't exactly, and and people don't even understand that they're getting. It's like generations of slaves. They get this free labor from at least one person from your family out of every single generation. No matter if you're white, red, yellow, black, or polka dotted, somebody in your family is going to be a slave to the penal system. Yes, yes, and that's what it's, it's really hard to try to convince America that slavery still exists and how and how deep it goes and that the conspiracy is just to keep people's eyes closed, keep them, they throw, you know, a TV show out there and get everybody all excited about it. And in the meantime, slavery is going on. Yes, there's so many ways to blind us and people don't even realize that you're paying for these people to lock up good people to be slaves our tax money goes to that our tax money goes to officer incentives and judge incentives and district attorney incentives and it's all part of the game um that's how i feel like that's how i feel like you know they're letting all these people go but they're incarcerating probably 10 times more um that's why i feel like all this all this police violence is going on out there is because they're put a lot of pressure to to make prisoners for them and to, to, you know, go out there and get more slaves. And 
they actually have quotas to follow and, and things like that. So I see why this war is, is coming from behind bars and it's, it's bleeding out into our communities like crazy. Um, Amber, the last time you called in, we were talking about your dad, Thomas Landreth, and we had a phone call going on. We were, had phone calls going on that were being made to the prison asking them to give him these meds that they were denying him for over a month. Um, and since they have given him the meds, is there anything else that they're not complying with that you need our help for? Like, is like, should we still be calling the jail or anything like that? The fact, the fact that um, he only can see a neurologist once a year is a huge concern. That gives his tumor enough time to get so big that their surgery won't be an option. So that that could be one thing. And the other thing is medical parole. He needs the, his doctor at his current facility has to sign off on medical parole or they won't give it. And I've been calling since he's been transferred there for almost a year and, and can't even speak to anywhere close to the doctor. Okay. So yeah, let's look into that. Let's look into medical parole. Do you know what it takes to get it yet? Or, um, yes. So what the doctor off on it and he approves it and he sends it to the medical parole board the medical parole board will bring him before them and that's whenever we'll have to get support with like letters and stuff like that and then he either makes it or he doesn't and he's already had medical parole once and that's when he was out and got caught with a joint for having cancer smoking pot and they they okay. charged him with the joint and revoked his medical parole okay Okay, well, you know what? We can help gather letters. We can help do everything you just asked. So, like, we are all about Team Thomas Landris and freeing him. So when the time comes, whatever you need from any of us, just, you know, we're here, and that's what we, that's what we want is to get your dad home to you, like, immediately and get you guys out of the drug war. Shit, we all got to get out in this drug war. It's crazy. It's, it's real crazy. It's drug war. Number we're going to get ready. Mindy and I were talking, and we want to have a show coming up, you know, to to make people realize, uh, and we would especially want you to get a special guest, how just smoking a joint puts you right in the middle of the drug war. And, you know, we're, it's legal here, so people go to the recreational store and they go home and they just think that, that you know, nothing's wrong. It is. They're, they are. They may not even know it, but everybody smells the drug war. So we're going to put focus we're still, on, um, yeah, on the Yeah, the feds are still... The- the feds are still screwing us, man, so we're all a part of it. As soon as, as, soon as you pay For the sure. taxes on that budget, you're a part of the, the drug war, so don't think you're not. Yeah, that's where we want to we wanna really get the big picture out there. So um, I know you, are you, how much, how many, can you, do you got to go? Because I think you had to go yeah, at 10. I got, I got one minute. Okay. I'm pulling into my parking lot. Everybody go like Free Thomas Landreth on Facebook. Go like No Gel for Drugs. Uh, free Chris Martin, Free Lance Glore, One Team, One Dream, and everybody have a blessed day. Uh, free, free, Amanda. Uh, All right, I love, I love you, you, ladies. Day, I'm an, I'm fixing to go give give over 120 legal narcotics to my patients, but none of them can light a joint, you know. So that's that's the world oh, we live my. in. Gosh, that just, oh, that gave me goosebumps when you said that. Crazy. Yep. Crazy. Yep. All right, we love you. All right. Have love you day at work. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Man, Mindy, I love her. 
I love her. Oh, she is. Uh, she's an incredible person and a very intelligent and a great advocate for her father. Man, I, you know what? What gets me is that prisoners have great family members, and some of them don't have family members to help, and those are the ones that really get lost in the system. So, Thomas Landreth has I, like the best daughter in the world. It's so cool. Um, well, you guys, we have we have plans for George. Oh, I think that is George on there. Is George a two six seven number, Mindy? Because we can just okay, okay. I'll check right. So Mindy checks, okay, when Mindy checks us, that's George. I just want to introduce him. His name is George Monterano. He was just released of his thirty three of his life sentence um, after thirty three years. He was recently adopted by the Seattle Hemp Fest. And the Seattle Hemp Fest put on so much work trying to get him out. Not just them, but the Human Solution. Um, a lot of groups out there just really did went all out for um, George, and George is a free man. In fact, he's also going to be a very, very special guest at the Seattle Hemp Fest this year. Um, he's going to be speaking there. Um, he just got out after 33 years. He is also the best friend of our, the old host of the show, Eugene Fisher, who spent 25 years of a life sentence. Rest in peace, Eugene. And George, while he was in prison, he wrote books. He did so many things, but um, he is now free, and he calls in every single week to give us the 15 minutes. It's called Georgie's Corner, and this is Georgie's Corner, and this is George Monterano. Hey, good morning, George. You're here with me. Okay, always a pleasure. We've got a list. We've got got people listening. I'm just going to tell you, go go by and let you know who's listening. We got Adam on the line. Um, who's one of our voices of the cannabis war? We got Stacy, who drives around a big green bus, and she, her father, her, her her uncle was shot down by the feds 20 years ago during a raid and shot over 20 times and died. So she's like one of our war heroes. And we got Tom Corby, who Northern <laughs> Chapter Coordinator for the Solution, and we got Donna, his wife. We've got a heart surgeon on the line listening, Dr. David Allen. We've also got a nurse, Tony. Um, who's also one of our group members, Voices of the Cannabis War. I hope you get to meet her at the Hemp Fest. We have Megan Holt, who was our first special guest. And Megan, um, she's got a daughter who's using the plant, and it's helping her with her seizures, and it's saving her life. And she's like a big major advocate out here in Washington. I hope you get to meet her at the Hemp Fest as well. She will be there. Also, we've got Mindy's mom. Hi, Mommy. And we've got me and Mindy. Good morning. And everybody is listening to you right now because you are the greatest. Oh, thank you. Thank you for everyone for joining in. It's so uh, so important that we take uh, time out of our lives to contribute. So important. And uh, the, today's theme is how, you know, how the, mar- <clears throat> the marijuana laws affected all our lives. Well, it affected me tremendously because, uh, you know, so much was taken away. The monetary things you cannot even consider anymore uh the years from my personal life, I don't even consider anymore. It's just the loss of loved ones. You know, I lost people very dear to me. And, uh, yeah, I lost my son while I was incarcerated uh, in 2001 to a motorcycle accident. And I can go on. And, you know, when that things occur, uh, you know, the only thing you can do is go to your cell and uh, sit at the end of the bunk when they lock the door and try to survive all that. So, and then you have to live like I'm living with uh, the the mental anguish that if I was alive, uh, maybe my son would be alive. Now, it was an accident, but you never know. He could have been with me that day. So, you know, this 
the prohibition, the drug law, especially marijuana, has affected me <clears throat> more more so than uh, than I could have expected in my in my one life, and and then you times that by all you people out there, and so many stories that we don't even know. And let's talk about right. stories. I mean, we're fortunate enough to have some uh, community connection, and uh, I was matter of fact, I taught that in prison uh, many many years for uh, community to ke- community connections. Because, you know, in order for these guys with these Dragonian scents, especially for weed, to uh, try to get out, they need the help. They need to connect into the community with some, with some, with some help, et cetera. But, you know, our cases, uh, you know, uh, it's fortunate enough that our radio show, our blog radio show, we can reach out. But, you know, what concerns me, ladies and gentlemen, what concerns me, the obscure cases, cases we never hear, we never hear of. Some poor girl or some poor young guy, and they're so caught up, and they don't know which way to go, and they're sitting in their cell. They're just buried with time and no help at all. Don't even know how to initiate help. And uh, that's what I, I my concern is because I've made it my business uh, to create classrooms where you, you can turn an, an obscure individual, some inmate, uh, he don't know what to do, what to go, and what for what probation the prohibition did to him, and teach him, teach him the steps, teach him the steps so he can at least help himself. And when you when you help yourself in an intelligent, positive way, you start to feel like someone again. Okay, because when you get these sentences and you didn't kill anybody and you got life or you get equivalent to it, and it doesn't don't it doesn't make sense. So what do you have to develop? My personal experience, what do you have to develop with the individual prisoner is to make him believe, make him believe in something, especially himself, so he can continue with his incarcerated years in a positive way, where he doesn't join a gang, where he doesn't commit a violent act, etc. cetera, and when he doesn't turn into peace. So there's, there's, you know, you that by tens of thousands of obscure cases that we do not know about. And uh, that, that's what bothers me the most, that, you know, who's doing it in there? Because I did it. I did it so long. I didn't do it for years. I did it for decades, try to make a difference. And that's what this, 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 this coming after these marijuana people that, you know, some make the paper, some we don't know. But there's cases that we'll never know. You know, they're buried. They get a public defender, and they're just thrown away in, into that system, in their which is which is a, uh, our our and our incarceration system is so used and so vast that we don't we we think we know what's going on but we don't really know. I'm the working right now with juveniles and if I told you what's going on in Philadelphia with juveniles after they commit the crime and they had no one nowhere to go, no one wants them. Some of them are old as eleven and twelve years old. So, Christian, wow. Wow! So you're working with juveniles now? That's that's cool. Um, how's how's that? Uh, I, I you, know, you know, I don't. You know, like I tell, I I try to meet as many lawyers in this town, or politically 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 connected to businessmen. They really don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on. You get a young kid, he's out there slinging some uh, nickel bags of weed, and all of a sudden he's popped, and he has to do six months. Okay. Now he comes out, he does it again, and he goes back. And then he, he then he, the family's all disarray. 
nobody wants him. I, I spent time with two, one 11 and one 12 year old uh, actually had shower shoes being, being uh, driven around by a sheriff, a woman sheriff, just to get them out because they were the only two left in this group home. They were only two left in this group home. Nobody wanted them. So I had to spend time with these two young boys and try to make them believe in something. Okay. And, you know, give them something for myself. Now, like, again, you time, you times this by tens of thousands in these big cities, especially on the East coast, what's going on. And <laughs> when is it going to stop? When is it going to stop? You know, putting people away, these kids, you know, their, their neighborhood's so poor. I mean, I, I, I would say right now for the last 60 days in, in this city, uh, Philadelphia, I haven't woken up one morning where there hasn't been a death from gun, guns in the poor community, okay? George, and then I have, that trickle. Yes. Well, I, I have but, a question. How long have, you been, how long have you been out for? About nine months. About eight, nine months. Okay, and you were there for 33 years. So I'm wondering, how has Philadelphia changed in 33 years? Is is that was it anything like well, that? Well, yeah. Well, my neighborhood is the num- my neighborhood is the number one neighborhood in the city, Bella Vista. It's very simple. The rich got richer, and the poor got broader and wider. I mean, you know, wow. your rich sections are not as big as your poor sections, and no one's no one's paying attention to them. No one's paying attention. That's why they need to just at least at least totally decriminalize or legalize marijuana because most of these young kids, I'm talking about kids 8, 9, 10 years old, their juvenile offenses are mostly for weed because they can get it, they can grow, they usually grow it so, to survive, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to survive. And, uh, and you know, I don't have that. They don't mean you should go to jail for that. They're not hurting nobody. No, no. Matter of fact, we have a, we have a thing on Monday night, we have a march. We have almost a thousand people. We're marching right down Broad Street to City Hall, uh, just to speaking because the communities are so they're so split with the local uh, the local authorities. So we're going to try to do some kind of healing with that because you know because really you know in essence you know your 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 precinct policeman is not the enemy. It's these these drug enforcement administration administrators and stuff like that. And you know they they come down. I, I think I told it before on the show, in two thousand uh, in two thousand ten, I had a kid in my cell, nineteen years old, uh, when I was uh, arguing a pretrial motion here, and I flew all the way from Florida and they stuck me in an FTC Philly, arguing this motion for seven months, and there was a kid nineteen facing ten to life, facing ten to life. Uh, he needed a tuxedo. And it's not marijuana, but he went on the corner and sold one gram of crack for $100. So he needed a tuxedo to take this girl to her prom. And he was in a sting operation. He was indicted. He was facing 10 to life. And, so, George, uh, you're, you're gonna, so you're going to do this march this week, and then you're going to jump on a plane and come out to Seattle and be a superhero at the Seattle Hunt Fest? Yeah, I, I fly out to Seattle on Thursday night, and I believe there's a 11 o'clock. Uh, we have some kind of thing with the media. Uh, no, press conference at 11, and I think about 4, 4.15 we have something with the media. Also, so okay. I'm, I'm ready for all that, and I, I'm not script. I don't believe in <clears throat> doing anything script because I believe the history is there. 
the presence is there, and then the tomorrows, I'm sure, I sure I know how to talk about tomorrows because they, the dreaming and hoping about tomorrow kept me going. But in our city, I'm doing all I can. Like I said, this March, uh, we we scheduled, uh, we we thought it'd be a couple hundred. Now it's up to a thousand. And basically, he's just wow. showing the commu- that we are a community. You have to show, you have to make some sense out of it. I mean, it's just, and that's all you can do. Like this show, our show, that's what this show does. You know, we try to make, there's so much positiveness coming from, there's so many true words, so many uh, words coming from the, the individual's emotions and, and the individual sense. And, we, and, that, and that has to spread. That has to spread. Christian. Man, if if Eugene was on the show right now, he'd have um, so much to say. <laughs> I could just imagine. Uh, Mindy, is there anything you want to say to to George? Yeah, I was uh, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about how geographically, how um, different things can be. For I mean, you're over there, and you're telling us the stories of the youth in your area. And then here, well, I'm not in Oregon. I'm in Washington right now. But there in Oregon, there was a 19-year-old who this year, or at the end of last year, I believe, was arrested for a very small, what they called remnants of marijuana. And he was being federally indicted. The um, Earl Blumenhauer, who is a, a politician here, um, felt so strongly that it was ridiculous that he begged um, the feds to drop the charges, saying that this this was a kid, a small amount, and we haven't had any, um, I believe it's been five years since we've had any federal charges in Oregon. And the feds listened and dropped the charges. Um, so, well, you know, the, the work we're doing at a state level, like you, George, there in your state and um, us over here, the work at state level is, you know, it can make a difference even on a federal level. And I'm hoping that see, we can continue to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I've learned, Mindy and Christian, what I have learned, when anything in, in, in your favor where it's dismissed or brought down to a lesser charge, <laughs> Anything, anything favorable to any individual, whether it's a juvenile or adult, it's not signed off by one person. That's the problem. No one signs off by themselves. And, of course, a judge does. But the judge is, is it, it's when, you, when you're there, when you're residing in front of him, and now you have to go exactly by the law and what come or what come. But when anything, to resolve anything prior to that, and you to bring it to the judge and you say we want to drop the charges or we less the charges, that is not, believe when I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that is not signed off by one person. There's the prosecutor involved, there's the investigator, there's the prosecutor's boss. There's this whole group that have to agree to something. And that's that's another thing I like to address. That's another thing because, you know, we are human beings. You're a nonviolent human being for, for, some, for, for some cannabis situation. You broke the law. Now you have to have five or six signatures on something or five or six agreement on something before you get anything. And that's the way it works. Believe me when I tell you that's the way it works. None, nobody that's working for any state government or any federal government is signing off on you, he or she themselves. It is a group agreement. 
and getting to that position where there is a group agreement, just getting to that point, whether it's favorable or non-favorable, is, is very difficult. Christian. Um, George, before we get off, I just I want to bring something up. Earlier we were on the phone with Craig Cecil, and Craig um, informed us that the president, or not the president, but the pardons attorney of the clemency department denied Antonio Bascaro's uh, application for clemency. Antonio down in Miami, FCC Miami. Yes, he's, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Antonio, Christ, and, he's got to be... He's got to be almost ninety. Yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah, I I thought seventies, but I could be way wrong too. Maybe eighty. Think maybe eighty. Yeah. Tony's in his eighties. I, I know. I know Tony. I, I very nice, nice gentleman. I did time with Tony. So. Wow. The, yeah. Wait a minute. The pardon attorney. The pardon attorney, not the president, well, denied it. No, the thing is, it goes to the pardon's attorney first, and then if they approve it, then it goes to the president. And what we've been doing, not just my group up here in Washington, but a few other groups around the country have gotten together letters and sent them to the pardon attorney, asking them to grant to, to grant him clemency, and then then it goes to the president. And it didn't. The pardon's attorney denied it. So, oh, uh, you know, yeah. The attorney. Well, did he have an attorney? Did he have an attorney dealing with the pardon attorney? I don't. Sometimes I don't they're remember. denied when they're when they're appointing an attorney. The attorney denies it. Attorney don't even bring it. The attorney don't want to bring it. So you, I don't know the particulars. I talked to the daughter one time on the show, on our show, if I remember. I don't know the particulars, but yeah. you know when. Listen, no one has been denied more than me. I was denied thirty-three times in thirty-three years. No one no no one hates the word denied more than me, but what you have to do is step back, regroup, and come again. Now there is a way to get it on the president's desk. You can by bypass the pardon attorney, but you have to have someone some senator or congressman do that. Okay. So there is there is a way. There is a way. Now you No, you never on the, just because you're denied, that doesn't mean there is a way to give it to the president's desk. Okay. 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 So you All just right. got to well, keep trying. Well, George, we're going to go know. to our next guest. And okay. we got to go to our next guest. Um, the, our next guest, though, if her, her name is Stacy, and she drives a big green bus around the country. Her her uncle was shot down by the federal government over 20 times okay. 20 years ago. And she's so determined right. to end prohibition. And we're going to talk to her. But um, I want to say I look for so, look forward so much to seeing you um, next week, and I can't wait now, to meet you. I have one question: What is the situation with the show while we're here? Well, um, I don't know. I'll touch base with you with, when I see you. I don't know what you got planned for Sunday morning. Um, I might be able to host the show from the fest. Maybe possibly, maybe we can all, because I'm going to be at the the lifers booth, and hopefully you'll be there occasionally as well. Um, well, maybe, maybe we, we can, can do a down, yeah, maybe we can do a downside version of the show. Just bring the show to yeah. the to the, to the We'll idea. do something if you if you see it okay. if you see it right. We'll do something. Okay, but I need internet, so I've got to see if my um, I bought a little thing that is supposed to have a hotspot on it. So I got to I got to see if it works. So. If it does, we could just do it. Yeah, a quick one. Okay. All right, you guys. Okay. Thank you for having me. 
I'll see All you right, out I love here. You I love you too. All right, bye bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, you guys. I just basically introduced Stacy, but I swear I can never fully introduce Stacy because Stacy is one of my heroes. She's one of the inspirations. You know how some people look up to basketball players and some people look up to, you know, musicians. Well, I look up to Stacy seriously because she does it. She does it every single day. She puts her heart and soul into it. She does it all to end prohibition because nobody's uncle should be shot down by damn shot down over a plant. It's that simple. Nobody nobody should lose their life for cannabis. And Stacy is um, part of who I am actually today. Just just seeing how Stacy does it is giving me giving me focus and ability to do what I do. But um, Stacy, 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 I can go on and on. But here's Stacy. Good morning. Hello, beautiful. You are part of who I am. Hi. Hi. Oh. <laughs> oh. years before I even got on the phone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you are very oh, much a part of who I am and what I do. So that's very, I would just love you a lot. I love you too. I love you too. Oh. What's been going on, Stacy? I saw the bus got, the bus was broke down and now it's fixed. Oh, yeah, lots been going on. Um, well, in Arizona, we had learned that that uh, Freedom Initiative was a big hoax and a scam. You know, the AZMFR oh. initiative was just pretend, and it was more dirty drug war shenanigans. So oh. much that when I was wrapped, because so like AZMFR pulled the initiative in Arizona a month early and it was because we were having so much good momentum and stuff. We didn't know they were part of the dirties. So of course me and a lot of other good hearts like rally don't give up, you know, it's still the people's initiative. We can get, we have one more month to get these signatures. Well, all kinds of dirty shenanigans happened, including the can of us is brake lines getting cut and all kinds oh, of crap. Well, I was just like, we've been, oh yeah, God, just like, yeah, sabotage, oh. just junk. Oh. Drug war, oh. junk. Cannabis oh. plant teaching us because she is at the front lines of the drug war. You just heard Craig Cecil say the oh, same thing yeah. as far as, our pop prisoners are not getting released out of prison. This plan is the front lines of the drug war. But anyway, just shelf that. I did not give any energy to all that garbage. Just chalked it up to whatever. A lot of good experiences happened in that initiative drive and new relationships and heroes made. So it all worked out. And I wasn't going to feed any energy to that to the death threats and break lines being cut and all that junk. Or did you know before you drove it and I mean a bus cut a bus oh, no. and the one that the Well that's a whole other story. God it, it's you know, the can of us is God's bus, so she is protected. So a lot of magic happened. Um oh, God. Oh, God. and then a break two brake lines blew and we got under there um, and saw that all of them had been pre-cut and that's why they were 
So it's okay. Did not feed any energy into that because Gary and Jack's birthday bash was coming up in Sedona, and I did not want to miss that party. And so uh, we had that in June. And after that, I just had to really uh, decide what was the next, what was I, you know, was I going to stay in Arizona and help spin circles of insanity of initiative drives that waste paper and waste the time of good advocates, it seemed, all across the nation in different ways. And, mm-hmm. like, what was I going to be, you know, what I needed to do or if I just needed to park the bus and, all, you know, as soon as you ask questions, all these answers happen. And... um asked if I should be back, if I, if I just needed to go back to Kentucky for a minute and see what Jake was doing. And, of course, when I asked that question, it was very much answered that, yeah, you're on the right track. Well, then I had to, like, oh, shelf a couple things that I thought, you know, were going to give me some stability in Arizona and, like, a place to live again and, oh, that's obviously not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be on the cannabis, of course. So <laughs> thinking, okay, you know, again, accepting my my life, my calling. Like, oh, well, just threw it up to Jake. Like, Jake, are you a Michael Jackson fan? And, yeah, he's a Michael Jackson fan, too. So, well, if I get the can of us to Kentucky, can we just, you know, start, like, can we celebrate Michael Jackson's birthday since he was all about love and peace and unity and he's a casualty of the drug war and we really need to, like, push people to understand that we are all in this drug war together and there are so many branches of this drug war poking all of us and keeping us down and keeping us sick. And we are all a united force in this. And, Michael, you know, I know, I know that your dad has been on the bus. I know Uncle Gary has been on the yep. bus. I know Gabriel Galbraith has been on the bus. The, I think they follow the bus. I think they stay on the bus. I think that, I think, oh, I think John, the bus. you sure Richard Ford. Um, Gary Shepard, yes, they're all hanging. They're all hanging out on that bus together, wherever it goes. I swear they are. I know they are. Yeah, so you understand the meaning behind my madness of, oh, Michael Jackson is another spirit that would totally appreciate us using his birth date and all the magic he created while he was here to help, you know celebrate people that ha- are not here anymore because of this terrible drug war. So we're going to have a karaoke contest and competition, like dress-up contest. And the meaning behind that madness is because when I did have my house raising my daughter, you know, for 13 years, um, every party I had was about dressing up. And I always had karaoke at my house. And, you know, like... Well, the can of us is my house, and oh, it rolls around to help in the drug war. Well, I'm going to start doing the things I do to keep oh, my feet like and my PTSD I challenges at bay. You know, like, that's what I did. Like, I had to. What? 
I've been doing stuff too yeah. besides doing drug work stuff. I've been doing personal stuff lately too, and I hadn't did that for so long. I've been doing I've been doing all kinds of Christian stuff. Well, I really had, you know, I drive a lot around the country a lot without being medicated because I don't carry medicine on the bus, oh. right? Because we're in a freaking drug war. And then I had to really evaluate my life raising my daughter, like, oh, what helped, you know, whenever I would get hurt or depressed or like all that jazz and didn't have pot, or even if I did have pot, what helped me raise my daughter in love and peace and, you know, drama free. And one was my swimming pool. So I'm trying to hop my butt in the water as much as possible while on the road. Yeah. But also yeah. a lot was, you know, friends and family weren't about coming over and talking about, you know, a lot of life shit because I didn't care to talk about my past life shit people coming over to my house were about having fun in the pool or karaoke or singing or dancing or reasons to dress up, you know, like in costume. <laughs> so cool. we're going to, um, and I'm hoping that everyone, so uh, any advocates that are wanting to be a part of that, um, we're going to do a montage for his birthday is on August 29th. And I know the very, I believe it's the next day that is very special uh, regarding your dad. And yeah. so we just want to keep um, things like always moving um, and reminding people that these things, yeah, my uncle Gary got shot in 93 and we had, can celebrate people's birthdays and lives every freaking year leading up to now that we could probably just do it in pot tragedies alone, but also drug war tragedies. We can, because it's so heavy and really wrap people's mind. I, you know, people like will be, you know, sympathetic, like, oh, that happened in 93. I'm so sorry. But it's like stories like you and so many people like that keep me driven because I wish that I was just out here keeping my Uncle Gary's memory alive. I wish yeah, that's right. all it was about. But what yeah, like it me was in 93. Yeah. It disgusts me. You know, it really disgusts me that it wasn't just a whoops that happened. It was a murder. Uh, that my Uncle Gary was murdered on purpose, and so many people have been murdered on purpose, and so many people die from overdoses and drugs and disease. Like, it is disgusting of the truth that lives are suffering for because it is hard, but that's why we do have to have fun and celebrate lives versus be sad about our people not being with us because, oh, our people are with us, you know, helping keep us strong mm -hmm. while we fight yeah. for God's plans, you know, and God's people and do all these things. So that was the drive of coming to Kentucky that we really needed to do, you know, really right. um, me and Jake, me, he's sitting right next to me, but yeah, me and Jake what? How's, how's Jake? I was just going to ask about Jake. How's he doing? We love Jake. Hi, Jake. 
Big Shepherd, yay. <laughs> but the, he is like the the child of of a god and a goddess. I'm going to say it's not just Jake's, you guys, for the listeners, um, Jake's mother and father, it wasn't just his father, Gary, but his mother, Mary Jane Jones, was also shot down by the federal government while she held baby Jake in her arms back in 93. And so Jake is like the beautiful thing that came out of Prohibition and Stacy as well. But um, how are you, Jake? And we love you so much. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, Good. Just, uh, so, so cute. I'm still grieving over the loss of my mother. Um, just another reason to end this drug war so we can have safe access to this preventative medicine. But I'm very glad to be back on a cannabis and back uh, trying to end this war. For sure. Oh, wow. So after after the um, the dress-up, Michael Jackson dress-up party, are you guys going to get back on the road? Or are you guys going to stay in Kentucky? Do you, what type of plans are you guys going to do with the best? Well, uh, just if you want to send a video of you dressed up, lip syncing, or karaoke, it can be a Michael Jackson song or any other musician, artist. Like, we have a couple that are already doing Janis Joplin. And, you know, like the door, you know, anyone that musician, you can perform whatever you want, not just Michael Jackson. But it is, you know, for his birthday party. And uh, email us the video by uh, the 25th or the 26th so we can do the montage and then we're going to be playing them all day. And uh, we're having a contest. Like, we'll see who everyone, you know, like, We'll just see what happens. It's going to be really fun. And we will have things to uh, send to our favorites and the community's favorites and stuff. So, um, cool. Canasense at gmail.com, C A N N A S E N S E at gmail.com. And we are asking everyone that wants to, and it sounds like even some kids are going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm glad that we're doing this. So I hope everybody participates because we are on a mission while we're touring. We are on a mad mission like we've always been, but we're upping it to uh, continue webbing us and uniting us all together. So even, uh, you know, us participating um, in things, with each other again and again, just like what happens at Seattle Hemp Fest every year, which is, I think, this weekend, right? This weekend coming up? Yeah, yeah this weekend. Um, yeah, yeah we need to keep... Me too, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a place where I need to be right now. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, webbing us all together. And then... Um, We'll be touring in Kentucky, and we're working on touring to Farm Aid, uh, making that trip happen. Farm Aid is Willie Nelson and a bunch of other artists' annual benefit concert they have every year for uh, farmers and our family farmers. And, um, you know, anti-GMO and and all about seed freedom and, and bringing back our our small uh, family farms. 
And so we're going to uh, tour that way uh, possibly before we head back west for winter. So we'll have a tour. uh, The goal is uh, by the end of September to have a a route for going for the next month forward. All right. Well, cool, Stacey. Um, I was asking you Kentucky. What'd you say? Is that we've been having fun in Kentucky. A lot of cool political events are are oh, going cool. on. Yeah, yesterday we were at uh, Nutton Fancy Farm, and it's a political event that happens every year in Lexington. And we spoke at the beginning of the event, and then probably almost every other person, representatives, U.S. representatives, they all mentioned ending the drug war in their speeches. Like they all yeah, like, oh, wow. made sure they talked about cannabis and ending the drug war. So it was kind of like we set the the mood for the whole event with bringing the cannabis there. And there was also a lot of, you know, like a handful of local cannabis activists um, there. And we all spoke. And then by the time the representatives got, had the floor, it was like they were all about making sure they um, gave their opinion and things on cannabis and the drug war. So, you know, cool. you are, you know, as much as I do, a few years ago, everybody wanted to just stay focused on medical marijuana and people like us screaming about, we got to end this war on this plant. Shh, we're not talking about that right now, or it's not right. time for that. <laughs> and now yeah. it is beautiful seeing People even outside our community screaming, we need to end this drug war. You know, even U.S. representatives yesterday, you know, saying the same thing. It really, oh, you know, like Craig Cecil finds that positive out of the dorky DEA's crap, and that's great. Right. So, yeah. It's, so yeah, the same yeah. kind of warmth in the heart when you hear our representatives Saying the same, acknowledging that we are in a drug war on we the people that need to end, and it's great. Thank you for having us yep. on the show. Thank you, Stacy. Um, Mindy, I just want to ask Mindy before we let you go: um, Is there anything you want to say to Stacy? Oh, I just can't wait to see the uh, videos and stuff from the the Michael Jackson lip sync. I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. <laughs> are you gonna send one in, Mindy? I'm expecting oh. I'm expecting something from both of you guys. Even yeah, if you I'll talk one of your friends. Even if you talk to one of your friends into doing it for you. Stacy, I have <laughs> in the middle of an Indian reservation taking baths in a tub heated by fire. I have no idea if I'm gonna get a video to you or not. <laughs> so but um I'll think about it. <laughs> if I can get clean yeah, enough. Or like I, I said, said you are very uh inspirational and uh woman so you could inspire one of your friends to do it for you so i will work on that. i'll do something stacy i'll do something stacy you need what? to get your daughter christian get get patricia I'm, and her friend they're always doing those goat goofy yes, things on facebook and doing videos okay get them to do one <laughs> i will I'll, I, I'll get one for you stacy yay thank you <laughs> All right, well, we're going to um, let you go. We're going to go to our next guest, but we love you, and we thank you so much for calling in, and I will hopefully see you someday soon. I don't know when, but yes. 
it will happen. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can all unite together for Shauna Banda in Kansas in October. She's facing okay. life in okay. prison because her her son told the truth in school. Yeah, yep, we've been following that case. That's So is it going to trial in October? Yes, it was supposed to be. A, uh, that was one of the things that I was like, well, what now? Because it was supposed to be at the end of July, and we were going to travel to Kansas for a journey for justice for her and her son because he could not ever feel one bit of guilt for telling the truth. In school, right. he has been in prison. Is he still, he and, still don't have, is he still separated from his mother? Is he still? They still haven't left. Yes, him, her the only son. contact they have is supervised. She's been given a gag yeah. order, so that's why she's not. That's why she does the videos, educational videos that she does, but she's not advocating for her case and educating on what's going on because she's got a gag order, meaning that, and of course that will, as a mother. If she screws up on that gag order, then they'll just fuck her with her son even more, you know? Wow. So, um, Lindsay, Lindsay's one of the art, you know, Lindsay McGann's, I I believe. Yes, I love her. I love her. I love her. She helped paint the cannabis. And she, at the beginning of Cannabis, she was one of my artists from the very beginning, before I got the cannabis that would donate her time um, to help with art projects. She couldn't come out of her house if it wasn't for Shauna Banda reaching out to her from Kansas to Arizona saying, I've seen your video. I've seen your struggle. I can help teach you how to make cheap medicine at home so you can get out of your house. And sure enough, she taught Lindsay and that gifted me having Lindsay in Canisense and in our life and able to come to my house for art projects and then paint the bus. That was Shauna's love and reach out. Yeah, so it's all magic. We're all, like, I'm, you know, just as we're personally connected, me and Shauna have never met, but I am so personally connected to her and her son and know that, oh, she was just, shockwaves of love was happening because of who she was and is. And now she's facing life in prison with people like Craig Stiesel that, you know, that we know are just good people. Like, we can't have more of our good spirits in prison if we can help it. So we got to show up for each other. So hopefully sure. we all get to reunite in October since yeah, I'm not able to make it to Seattle Hemp Center. Uh, our, next, our next guest has shown interest, Jeff Eichen. He's doing a documentary called The Lifers Documentary. And he's asked me a couple times, let's, let's get on that bus and let's go to Sean Amanda's case. He's very interested in coming out there as well. And we're going to talk to him next. But um, – I want to thank you, Stacey. We love you so much. I love you, too. And I will say happy birthday <laughs> to Kyle Cantlin. He's one of our advocacy uh, POWs in Arizona. His birthday's tomorrow. But um, okay. thanks for inviting us on. And um, love you guys very, very much. And thank you for everything that you guys do. And rock Seattle hemp that. Hey, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> so thank you, Stacey. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, guys. That was Stacy Tice and Jake Shepard. Um, you just found out exactly why I say so much good stuff about Stacy. Um, next, we're going to talk to Jeff Eichen, who is producing the documentary called Lifers. 
Um, in fact, we're going to be having we've, Voices of the Cannabis work, War has helped with the documentary. Uh, other groups have helped with the documentary. And the documentary is going to be being viewed this coming Saturday. So Jeff is going to tell us more about that, what, what Lifers is doing at the Hemp Fest, and how you can see the movie. Um, dun, 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 dun. Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing? Hi. Good morning, everybody. Hemp, hemp, hooray. Hey. Hey. So I want to say one thing about uh, to Stacy. I want to give a shout-out to Stacy. We love the cannabis. Hi, Stacy, and um, I, I was listening to your whole thing. You're just uh, amazing. And like when Jerry passed uh, to the other side, Grateful Dead Jerry, we said we're still on the bus. So let's do a green candle vigil on Google Hangout for solidarity, um, you know, for for your cause. And um, hold on, I'm gonna and, put I'm gonna I'm gonna put Stacy on. You can tell her. Okay, hey, go Stacey. ahead. Tell, keep on. Hey Stacy, let's hi. do a green candle. Hi Stacy, it's Jeff Eikens. Hi Jeff. Hey, good to meet you. I I know that um, we're still on the bus, all of us. When Jerry Garcia passed, uh, that's the only thing we kept saying. Jerry's off, but still on the bus, and so are we. And so I'm really proud of you. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, I feel like everybody <laughs> rides, even when it's yeah. just physically me and Reese. <laughs> we're still on the bus. And I wanted to tell you that I think we should do a green candle vigil um, at a Google Hangout for solidarity right before uh, Shauna's hearing because we did that for Jeff Mazansky at midnight in Amsterdam, in Uruguay, and all across the country here. And we just got on Google Hangout and talked and told stories. And um, and then he had a successful hearing. Oh, I love it. So I do everybody- too. I want to be part of it. Yeah, everybody burn a green candle of a vigil on the night before, and we'll send all that energy really close to the date, you know, the night before, and we'll all just chat. We'll we'll be holding her hand through that. Yeah, that and, uh, people, people who can't be there can participate paid in the in the in it too, in it as well. Yeah, yes, everybody can I love come it. And and oh. if 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 you want, we can um, we can set up somehow for them to. Um, to also have it a fundraiser, so the so your bus stays on the road. We need to keep you in in the dough, so we can flow your your you know your stupid brake sh- stuff, and we can get you safe and sound. <laughs> well, thank you. And, and you, said, you said one thing. You said all the magic they created while they were here, really, really resonated with me and that is an awesome line and an inspirational statement to get our to get all of our butts in hemp gear. I'm just totally loving that you said all the magic that these people created while they were here. Oh they mm-hmm. did and I know because it will be like I'll be driving the bus and be feeling like wow like I really feel Gatewood Galver's spirit all over me right now. And this really happened. Like, oh, I just know he's been helping me drive the bus. Next time I stop to get fuel, the first person to come to the bus and start taking pictures and ask to see the bus recognized my Gatewood sign and was like, I love this bus even more. And he's with his four-year-old daughter 
Gatewood, right before he passed, he was one of his last pot cases. He got him his he got his charges, you know, dropped or whatever. And he would not have his daughter in his life without Gatewood representing him like months before he passed, just a few months before he passed. So it was like, well, I knew Gatewood was on the bus. And then Gatewood tells me, yep, you're right. I've been helping you drive the bus. You know, stuff like <laughs> that is not. And Jerry's people have all been can of angels all across the map, like different times when we've had little breakdowns or tires. And it's, oh, these, yeah, they've created so much magic that continues on. And you see that it's all love magic. You know, that's all we have to do is. I I spent 10 days on the bus with Stacy. We went up to my dad's business partner's trial and the, every, as I'd say, at least every six hours, some type of magic would happen, and we would wonder why is all this magic happening? Like seriously, Stacy especially pointed it out over and over and over and over. But stuff happened on that bus that was very extremely magical. Like it really cannot be explained. But um, all right, Stacy, I'm going to get you off. I'm going to we're going to talk to him about um, to, he's premiering a documentary about lifers, and so we're going to talk about um, about that. It's it's the night of the Seattle Hemp Fest on Saturday. Sure is. You, you got it. Eight o'clock. We're gonna be. At, yeah, we're gonna be um, from eight to eleven. We're gonna be at the Seattle Film Institute, and that's at thirty-two ten Sixteenth Avenue, West Seattle, and the zip code is nine eight one one nine. Everybody, and if you wear fifty percent green on the green carpet. We're going to give you a discount um, entryway, and then we have some really great prizes to give out at the end. We're going to give tickets at the door, and if you go to our um, to our brown paper ticket company, you just type in lifers at brown paper. You can get a five dollar discount for pre tickets, and it is a um, uh, a fundraiser. So bring your checkbook, uh, bring what you can. Uh, bring your um, volunteer, you know, shorts on if you want to help with um, just grabbing interviews and, and helping this movement and the prohibition once and for all. I'm going to be there, Jeff, and I'm going to be wearing a dress, hopefully, because I've been working out just especially for this screening because I'm really excited to see what you put together. Like, I, after seeing what you put together for Jeff Mazansky, and I'm going to remind all of our listeners right now that um, Jeff Eichen was the very first um, person to be able to get behind the bars and interview one of our plant prisoners, and he was serving a life sentence before he actually got out of prison. So I, I was really impressed with what you did with him, Jeff, and I am really excited to be part of of this and to be able to be there and be part of it all. And I'm encouraging anybody, if you want to know the truth, what's going on with our lifers, you know, Jeff has worked with um, my group. He's worked with the can do with Amy Pova and can do. He's worked with Beth Curtis and um, uh, that's uh, life for pot. Uh, I don't, I don't want to leave anybody out, but he's, he's worked with a lot of them. And, um, Chris, Conrad, Chris Conrad will be there. Jeff Mazansky, he's out of prison. He will be there to talk. And um, and the preview is actually not our full film right now. We're in production. We're going to be having a short preview, and we're going to be taking interviews in the studio, and then we're going to 
venture up to the screening room at the Seattle Film Institute and all have a night with um, with a short film, a, a, a example of where we're going with our project, and then we're going to have talks from um, Par- Dr. Parthenia Grant from Los Angeles, Kristen Floor is going to speak, and Jeff Mazansky is going to speak, and then we're going to have Chris Conrad and Mickey Norris, um, who, by the way, they pioneered the whole in the jails um, uh, party by doing Shattered Lives, a book that says it's the portraits from America's drug war. And so they're doing that. And they also wrote a book recently that's just been published called Human Rights in the Drug War. So we're going to have some great hemp VIPs there to speak. Uh, Don Wurstshafter will be there from the uh, Cannabis Museum, and he's he's epic and a and a very very close dear friend of 30 years knew me when we were all hanging out with Jack Herrera, and he's also one of our sponsors. So we bless all the people that have donated some money for us to make pull this off, and um, we're going to try to get um, the authorization from Tommy Chong to use part of his interview, but so far um, we're on hold on that. But don't worry, everybody. Tommy Chong. Is, um, is healthy right now. He's going through a little bit of his own cannabis um, uh, cancer treatment. And he did say, um, this is Tommy Chong for Lifers, the movie. So we're going to get authorized, I promise you, the, to use it. Maybe not this time around, but down the road. So we have just, um, it's going to be a great night. Um, so, Jeff, other than the night, um, I'm curious, too, what is... Um the rest of the hemp fest looking. Um, you've got a booth, and I'm going to be at the booth. Hopefully, we're going to have some letters for people to come sign for some of our lifers asking the president to free them. Um, you've also. Well, what else do we got going on there? Uh, we know we know that what, um, what, George Montalano is going to come by, and we know that Jeff is going to be there. Correct. What's going on at our booth is um, is hemp fest is sponsoring us, and they have um, donated a corner booth for us. So. On one side, we're going to have Kristen and Jeff Mazansky signing. Jeff Mazansky will be signing um, his photographs for $20 to raise money for himself because, as Kristen has said many times before everybody, that um, you get $0.12 an hour for 20 years, you need restitution. We need to uh, support Jeff. And so he's going to be there. You meet Jeff. Kristen's going to be there. And I'll have some other hemp activists there also uh, meet Chris and Mickey throughout the day. And um, let's see, we're going to have, um, let's see, we're going to have, um, who else is going to be? Oh, we'll have our nut well, was, there. Yeah. I want to say any of um, the volunteers for the Voices of the Cannabis were like Adam and Tony, Mickey, you guys. Mindy too, but she Mindy can't make it. She's gonna be down down in um, southern southern Washington. But um, anybody who wants to help me help Jeff at the booth from our, my my group, come come there to the Lifers booth. Um, where is the we booth at? We would love help. We, we would love help on on Saturday night. We need help uh, tearing it down and then getting to um, over to uh, the the venue so we can put up. We're, we're, I'm going to get a license, and we're going to have a home brew, and we're going to have drinks and food, and I have um, a few musicians that are going to do one spot. So in our three hours, we're going to do a half an hour on the green carpet, then we're going to do interviews inside in the studio, and then we're going to have a premiere of a preview, a short one, and then we're going to um, have talks by everybody, and afterwards, 
um, I promise there'll be some hemp music uh, played live. Okay. Okay, so um, what about the booth? Let's talk about the booth a little bit more. So we're going to have Jeff there. We're going to have Nikki Norris and who else? All the, Everybody all you were saying? Well, the booth is going to be um, – uh, there's going to be merchandise there. You can buy Lifer's T-shirts for, to support us. And we have some mugs, and we have um, our nug jugs from Rama Stay, the drinking jars that um, have the cannabis leaf on it. So we'll have some product there, and we'll have ex-lifer um, uh, Jeff Mazansky to meet throughout the day. And um, and so um, if we have hopefully an opportunity, I'm gonna, hopefully I'm going to have some letters that people can sign to participate in free and spring some of our lifers. Um, so if anybody's oh, listening gonna, right now who would like to I'm donate, just, I know. Um, what, was you, what were you going to say, Jeff? I'm going to donate some some dough for you. We'll, we'll totally get your stuff printed for sure. Well, we yeah, have, sure. we want to get like two thousand. We want to get like two thousand printed. So, um, we that's going to be about two hundred dollars. I think they're about ten cents a copy. So we've got Tracy um, Lance's mother. She's going to print out a bunch for us, and then you're going to donate some. I'm going to donate a couple bucks. Um, if anybody else out there listening would like to pitch in to get some 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 letters printed for our prisoners, asking the pardons attorney to uh, push their applications through to the president, please help. Um, one of our one of our lifers has been freed that way, and we do believe that the letters helped. And so, you know, one it one it didn't work for Antonio Vasquero, who we just found out today was denied, but um, we got letters for him as well. So so far. You know, it helped one and didn't help one. So just if you want to donate, all we can do is do our best. So please, um, we've got to get these letters printed. And then um, what else, Jeff? Keep 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 talking. But we got to hurry up because um, we still have time to come on, and then we got to close out the show. It's getting well. We, I, I'm always I'm always blessed to get a little bit in here. We're we're totally excited about sharing the story with the world. We only have five more months left with um, with Obama, who is very friendly. Unfortunately, everybody, they blew it yesterday um, in in the United States, you know, um, decision making for changing, you know, the schedule one for marijuana. They totally blew it. So we still have to put it out through film and through the radio here that it's a travesty that people are in jail for um, a schedule one uh, drug. It's not dangerous. It provides food, paper fiber, fuel, and medicine. And so that plant needs to be descheduled, not schedule two next to cocaine. It needs to be schedule zero. Okay. All right. Um, well, Jeff, we're going to, um, we're going to get Tom on here, but if anybody listening, I'm urging everybody, if you cannot make it to the if you cannot make it to the see the showing, I'm urging you to stop by the booth and just find out more about our lifers. Um, I will be there. Right. If you have any questions about why people are in prison, I'll be there advocating for all of our lifers. Um, I don't have any posters or anything because uh, Mindy has them and Mindy's far away, but we've got the knowledge in my brain, and we could just talk about why nobody should go to jail for the rest of their life or any time for a plant, and that's where I'm going to be doing my prison outreach at. And, Jeff, I want to thank you for the opportunity and for what you're trying to do for our lifers. And it's an honor to work with you, and I am excited. So, Our, our booth will, number, everybody, is, is our booth number, everybody in, in Radioland is 819. That's 819. So come see us. Come see Jeff Mazansky and, and Kristen Floor and, and everybody else who's going to party with us. 
And remember, on Saturday night from 8 to 11 p.m., bring your story and tell it on film and wear green and get a discount and just have a blast. Come see us at the Seattle Film Institute. The address of the whole night is on our website, lifersthemovie.com. All right, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Now our show is about. Thank you. Um, Our show is about. So are you, Jeff? So are you. Um, Our show is about to go on overtime. So anybody, uh, nobody has to really hang up. Um, Some of it might hang up on you. Some of it won't. I don't know exactly what happens when it goes into overtime, but people listening can probably continue to listen or go back later and press the play button to get the last of it. But Don't miss out because we're going to be doing a tribute to all of our prisoners who have passed away in this war in just a few minutes. In the meantime, Mindy's about to have to go here. So um, I want to put Mindy on and say goodbye to her. And then we're going to have um, Tom come on for just a couple minutes and talk about what's going on in Northern California. And then I'll do a special tribute to our prisoners and we'll say goodbye. Um, Oh, hold on. I I took Mindy off of the wrong – hold on. I took her off of mute and put her back. Okay, there you are, Mindy. So, Mindy, um, I want to say goodbye because you've got to go. She's the other host of the yeah. show, but thank you. I love you. What do you think about the show today? I, I think it I think it was fabulous. I'm really excited about uh, Hempfest next weekend. I hope you guys kill it there. Um, I'm I'm gonna miss meeting all those wonderful people, but I'm blessed to hear about you all the time. And just on a personal note, I got to meet my very special honey at Hempfest last year on the stage and. Um, we were really hoping to be there, and so um, it, it. I'm our not going is definitely. Um, it, it's not the the choice we wanted to make, but we'll be there in spirit. And then I also wanted to oh. give out a special shout out to Carla, Eugene's daughter. Um, Carla has messaged me every Sunday since Eugene's passing to tell us to have a good show and and to remind us that her dad to keep going and and how much she cares for us and I just want to thank her for doing that that means the world to me and also just to let listeners know that 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 you know through Carla we're still connected so um have a beautiful rest of your Sunday everybody and um I'm sorry I'm gonna miss Tom and Tom you have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you shortly Kristen all right thank you Mindy love you be good You too, hon. Okay, I'll try. (laughs) All right, you guys, you don't want to miss the closing of the show. Um, That's coming up real shortly. But first, we're going to talk to Tom Corby. He's the Northern Chapter Coordinator for the Human Solution International. Uh, Tom is an ex-defendant who actually um, fought his case, came out with the best outcome, and him and his wife as well didn't go to jail. Now Tom just not only fights for defendants, but he fights for prisoners. And he does the best he can in his community up north, northern California to make sure that nobody goes to jail for a plant. Um, we don't have a lot of time, but I just want to make sure we get Tom on in case he has any really important news to, and um, say hello to him today. How are you, Tom? Uh, I want to thank you, Christian and Mindy, for another historical show. Thank um, you. <laughs> try to cut to brevity. Uh, talk about prohibition. prohibition. My first thought is what Craig Cecil said is if there's no victim, how can there be a crime? Uh, Instead of my mindset and our mindset should be instead of rescheduling because 
uh, as has been mentioned, Schedule 2 is almost as bad. And I always ask, why is coke and meth in Schedule 2 and our sacred plant in Schedule 1? Because why? For all the big bucks. They're all making money on us. Think about it. And they're building more prisons. So mindset is just not only deschedule, but no schedule. We know that the controlled stuff in the back was illegal in the first place. So we must continue our goal and vision uh, with the Human Solution International dot org to end prohibition and free all our POWs for no one should go to jail for our plan. Uh, and I want to thank Jared all the way right now for sending me uh, marijuana and help the whole shirt. I want to thank Jared all the right. I got my shirt. We love Jared. Jared, Jared, Jared. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> right. and, that's, and that's true. Uh, alcohol is way worse than uh, cannabis, actually. Uh, cannabis helped me get off alcohol. Uh, I might drink a couple beers in the evening, but uh, I think that uh, many people have told me how cannabis has helped them get off not only alcohol, but hard drugs and big farms. Uh, my calendar in August is almost bare. Uh, why is that? We have five uh, defendants going to trial up here in Northern California, four right here, Butte County. Uh, we have James Bell coming up for a pitches turpitude uh, uh, motion uh, where Joseph Tully will be arguing uh, uh, the motions. Uh, that's, that's uh, let's see right here, that's uh, August 29th uh, at 10 a.m., 1655 uh, West Street, Shasta, Shasta County, ready. Uh, <laughs> this week, uh, what I see on the calendar, the only thing I have at the end of the week is... Uh, uh, James James Mobley, that's Blue Medicine for Military. We're going to do a fundraiser for him at Claire Engel Park, uh, 1 p.m., coming Saturday, uh, August 20th, uh, 1525 Median Street. Uh, that's actually up in Shasta Lake, California. Uh, <laughs> we always come, try to raise money for our defendants to help them and their families. Uh, the reason that my calendar is empty here in August is because in September, uh, actually in July, July uh, we had Eric Pierce, uh, Alex Lyons, Benos, uh, we have Matt Sears, uh, and we have all these people in, 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 uh, in July that are going on to trial, and, uh, and they're all getting new attorneys. Uh, uh, Nick Grant, too, he's getting Joseph Tully, so is Benno. And uh, they need a, c- a couple months to fill the case. So everything's going up in September, the middle of September. Uh, we have, they're all going on to trial. And then we always say, uh, our mindset is if more people would take them on to trial, we would be, we'd be, we'd have ended this war a long time ago because they can't. Well, that's our mindset. Okay, uh, a cut to chase. I have a, a letter. Uh, return letter of appreciation from uh, Richard Perez. Uh, I don't probably don't have time to read it. Basically, when you receive uh, these letters, uh, heartfelt return letters of gratitude that they have been forgotten in there. Uh, uh, maybe I can share this on the show next week. 
Uh, I know we're just yeah, let's plan on yeah. right. Okay. okay, Kristen, I want to thank everybody and all the people on the front line to help us end prohibition. Uh, and don't forget to breathe; it surely does help. Thank you, Kristen, and all the people on the front thank line. You. Thank you, Tom. We love you. So, if you guys want to hear this letter, um, Tom communicates with a lot of plant prisoners. And that a lot of the times the plant prisoners write letters, and sometimes they just mean so much. So stay tuned for next week because we're going to hear uh, the voice from a prisoner through that letter that Tom got. And you can hear exactly what they feel about going to prison for a plant is like um, through Tom's letter next week. It's going to be amazing. First, now we're going to go into the closing, and then I'm going to play a song for you guys called No More War. But first, I just want to thank everybody for listening to the show. I want to thank CCHI for helping to sponsor the show. I want to thank Mindy for hosting the show. Becca for she screens our calls once in a while. Um, all the listeners, all the callers, all the volunteers, all the prisoners, all the defendants, everybody who is affected by prohibition um, who listens to our show. <clears throat> and I want to remind everybody, what, two ways, before we go into closing, I want to remind everybody there are two ways that we can end the war right now. One is through jury nullification. That's your power if you ever call to jury duty not just judge if the law has been broken, but to actually judge the law. And if you think it's a bad law, you know, there's no victims, the person shouldn't, didn't really, you know, it's just unfair how they're treating them. It's just not right that the person goes to jail and you know it's not right. You don't have to say guilty. You can say non-guilty. And one non-guilty vote out of 11 jurors will keep that, that defendant from prison. It will save somebody from a possible life sentence. It'll keep people's families united. It can end the war if we all go to trial and we all refuse to gimmick. Remind everybody that jury nullification helps in slavery and it also helps in alcohol prohibition. Okay. Um, September 5th is FIJA, Fully Informed Jury Associations, um, Jury Nullification Day. Basically, it's called Jury Rights Day. And there's so many ways you can participate, even by making posts about jury nullification on Facebook, uh, all the way to planning an event at a courthouse close to you. There's just so much you can do. And she has a list of stuff on there. Her name is Kirsten Tynan, and she's the executive director for FIJA, and she's got everything you can do on there that, where you can participate in Jury Rights Day. I'm hopefully, I'm going to be planning an event, so you can stay tuned to what I've got going on. You can just do something. You can plan an event yourself. You can go on there and find out what's going on in your community. But please get busy, get active, and participate in Jury Rights Day. It's a FIJA sponsored. They will send you the materials you need to pass out. Um, jury nullification needs to be an education that before we even pick up a joint or pick up anything like that or anything cannabis related or, you know, nonviolent um, people go to jail for being homeless, anything like that, we need to know about our jury rights. So um, help educate each other because that's something the government does not want you to know. Another way we can end the war right now is through snitching. Um, I don't know how many times I have to say it, but Lance Glore was just sentenced um, just recently. His uh, co-defendants who did the exact exact same thing Lance did was sentenced and they didn't get no jail time. It's because they cooperated with the government and testified on Lance and told them everything that they want needed to get that conviction because Lance is the one that stood up and went to trial and fought his case. Now it's not just Lance, it's almost all of our prisoners who are serving life sentences stood up and fought their case in trial and that's when you get end up getting long prison sentences. My dad's business partner was facing 96 years and his partners, my dad's partners, snitched, my dad had five partners, and three of the partners snitched on the other partner after my dad died, okay, which is wrong. So we can end the war right now by saying not guilty and by not snitching. 
it would not exist. It would crumble and be over with, period, in a discussion. So um, let's just, just work on those two things right there. Um, next, I just want to say this is closing now, okay? This is the part of the show that I honor the most, but yet I dread the most because I have to say rest in peace to some of our finest leaders who are no longer here. So first, I'm going to start off by saying rest in peace to Eugene Fisher. Eugene Fisher was the other host of the show. Not only was he the other host of the show, but he was a civil rights leader. Um, he went to prison for 25 years, and while he was in prison, he was a civil rights leader for a group called the NAACP. Um, he also taught classes, helped people get out of their prison sentences. Well, after 25 years, he helped himself, and he got out of prison. When he got out of prison, he didn't stop fighting because he had so many friends in prison. He fought for some of them, and a few of them have been freed since, since then. So we just want to say rest in peace for, to Eugene. We love him for not giving up, and I miss him personally. He was just one of my bestest friends in the world, um, and he is a bestest friend to our movement. Um, next, I want to say rest in peace to Richard Ford, my father, okay, who owned five dispensaries in Montana. The feds shut him all down, sent my dad to prison, didn't give him any medical care at all for four months. They let him lay there. He was so sick. He had so many different illnesses. Basically, he had two major heart attacks. Mind you, they were not giving him his medicine. And um, I had to rush out to Vegas after four months of just, I could go in and on and on about the neglect and torment they did to my dad. But I had to take him off life support while he was still shackled to a bed. Because they didn't even let him die a free man. Now, yeah, that's, how they, that's how they kill off our prisoners is they shackle them first while they're, while they're dying. But yet my mom was in prison and didn't even get to get out to say goodbye to him. So rest in peace, um, Richard Four. Next, I'm going to say rest in peace to... One of our greatest heroes, Gary Shepard. Gary Shepard and Mary Jane Jones. Um, Gary Shepard was shot down by the federal government over 20 times about 21 years ago. Him and his wife, Mary, or his partner, Mary Jane Jones, was shot down to the ground while Mary Jane held baby Jake in her arms. She survived and lived to about, about six, seven months ago. She, she passed away, um, and Gary died instantly. So I want to say rest in peace to those war heroes Oh, my gosh, we love you and your sacrifices. And thanks for giving us baby Jake and Stacey Tice. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Jack Kerr. Jack educated us about our plant. He wrote a book called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. I'm going to urge everybody listening right now to go get that book. It will teach you all about the conspiracy of the plant, why the government keeps it illegal, what the plant can offer us, and how it can help save our world on so many different levels. Um, Jack was not afraid to tell the truth, and he... Um, He's one of our heroes. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who also left us with books. He left us with inspiration books about how to deal with death. He was on probation when he passed away, and some people um, think that he might have died choking on his own vomit. Well, Peter was in, 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 on probation for the plant and used the plant to help Peter um, not throw up. So now Peter um, is passed away and on the other side helping to end the war. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Bill Lamorte, who was a friend of Eugene's. He was in prison serving a life sentence for cannabis. And right there in the prison yard, he had a heart attack. He fell to the ground after, after 20 years of being behind bars. He fell to the ground and passed away. Somebody we didn't even know about, um, but he is never to be forgotten. Um, we also want to say rest in peace to Larry Harvey, who was one of the Kettle Falls Sky family members who was a defendant who fought for all of our rights by making a trip to D.C. and trying to change the laws for the plant. While his whole family left, was left behind um, to 
fight their charges. Larry passed away in the middle of the war. Thank you, Larry, and rest in peace to you. Also, rest in peace to Dee Young for giving us Adam. We appreciate that so much, and we love you and miss you, Dee. Also, rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, whose father called into our show today after serving his 17th year of his life sentence. Curtis passed away um, just a few years ago, and they wouldn't even let Craig out to see him. Rest in peace, Curtis. Also, to two young children, Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde. <clears throat> Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde were from California, Montana, two little children using the plant to help brain, kill their brain tumors. Well, the, they got raided. Their caregivers got raided, and the parents did not able to find access to the medicine that Cashy and Spencer needed to stay alive. In the meantime, their tumors grew, and they passed away right in the middle of the war by not having safe access to their medicine. Also, rest in peace to Bernardo Fumo Martinez, who was a very, very close friend of mine, who's helping us in Prohibition on a worldly level. He didn't just want it to end in our country. He wanted it into all over the world. Um, so rest in peace, Bernardo Fumo Martinez, for helping us um, change the world. Also rest in peace to Elaine Salmon, an ONAC tribal uh, member who the post office intercepted a package that the, the tribe sent to her that was helping her. And in the meantime, all while they had the package, she didn't get the medicine, and everything happened badly, and she ended up passing away in the war. Rest in peace to her. And also rest in peace to your Eugene and Georgie's friend, who they say went to FCI in the sky. And also rest in peace to some Washington heroes, Rick Smith and Kevin Black. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Voices of the Cannabis Wars uh, radio show. Please help us in Prohibition now so that no other children, no other prisoners, nobody else has to actually die for a plant because nobody should have to die for a plant. Thank you, and I hope you like this song from Chris Shite called No More War.
but they black dancers. Time for peaceful revolution like the Black Panthers. Cause we got solutions, yup, the answer to cancer. But they still got it up on schedule one. Why? Cause they making funds off of federal runs. Selling American guns for drugs and Mexican slums. The fast and the furious, killing off our children. Time to make a stand and demand the masses furious. They kids education is growing more Funds spent for fly killing drones While CNN and Patriot commercials breed human drones from home Recording scripted terrorist training in places you can't visit So the real plan of extinction, you don't get it The country surrounding Israel, the holy land is now being NWO committed The war is still trouble through the mind to ask you how they get it Or should I say distract? They say it's oil, but it's deeper than that. It's just more smoke to the mirror, so I radiate more hope clearer. Shed tears on my peers, the judgment day gets nearer. So I exercise with mightier than the sword. Use the pen to paint the lines with conscious mind the world can explore. So maybe you can find out why they bring us to war. Place. I 
Don't let them put me away 
deal with the DEA. They said if I told I'd be free and walk away. I lost my freedom, babe. Well, you got your freedom and a heart that is still for me. Well, that's easy for them to say Well, hold me tight Don't let them put me away Freedom, babe Well, you got your freedom And a heart that is still for me And I will not let them take it away Well, you say we don't need it well, that's easy for them to say Well, hold me tight Don't let them put me away Freedom, babe Thank you for listening to the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show I hope you have a beautiful Sunday and have a beautiful rest of your afternoon and tomorrow and week. And we will talk to you next week. And please listen because what we have to say really comes from our heart and it's real. It's it's what's going on in this world. Thank you again and have a beautiful Sunday.